Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Brooke. And this is our first podcast. Very first podcast ever. Oh my gosh. I think the the word excitement is an understatement it at is. this point. I would it say, is. I would say nervous is yeah. another word lumped into that. Although excitement and nervous feel very similar. Very similar emotions. Yes. But what's nice is we can just stare at each other and pretend like we're having a conversation that's just me and you. Yep. Which is how this was born because this yeah. type of conversation is us at a bar, us at our houses, us out at brunch. This is yeah. all we talk about. <laughs> you know, we really like to keep things light. Yes. And really, it, I can't imagine what other people at bars are listening to us talking about such oh dark topics. No, I'm just kidding. It's not dark, but you know. It can get there, but it is, it's heavy. I mean, it's, but to us, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, should we introduce ourselves? Yeah. A little bit about us? Yeah. Everyone likes a, a nice little bio moment. A little bio? Okay. Yeah. Well, you want to um, go first? Yeah. I mean, our listeners haven't I'm sure deciphered our voices yet, so I'll just reiterate. My name is Megan, and yeah. I am a um, speech pathologist. I live in Southern California, and I I just have always been interested in getting to know myself, trying to uncover why I act the way I act or why I think the way I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think growing up had a lot of anxiety and depression and... I just didn't want to live that way. And so from the age of, I think, 18 on had um, just a lot to figure out and started doing therapy and reading yeah. books about anything that grabbed my attention that kind of seemed like it was about what I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started studying in school. Why I mentioned I'm a speech pathologist is because I specialize in how the brain works. How do we learn behaviors? What is cognition? And cognitive therapy after brain injury became a, you know, love of mine in my practice because it's just so fascinating and and really makes me hopeful because we can change the way our brain works, Mm -hmm. you know? So anyway, I think that's why I'm so interested in the art of changing behavior and codependency is something I've dealt with my whole life and something that I really have seen a lot of change in personally. So I think this conversation, just opening, opening it up to more people, um, could be really healing for all of us. Oh my gosh. I couldn't agree more. And, um, moving forward with what we're doing here, which is, um, yeah, my name is Brooke. Um, and, (laughs) Um, I've dealt with codependency my whole life as well. Um, I am originally from Whittier. Actually, Megan and I, uh, the way that we met is from sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So we've known each other for a very long time now. So cute. Yeah. Um, and uh, I work an office job, but um, I've always been interested in, um, I hate to say, self-help topics. Like a lot of it is just labeled under self-help these mm-hmm. days. But really just reading books um, that fascinate me when it comes to like patterns of behavior and the way our brains work. 
Um, I always love to learn from you anytime you have any like antidotes to share from um, what you're learning at work and stuff. And so, I don't know, I've just always been fascinated with um, changing uh, certain behaviors about myself. And if I can read a book that can teach me things um, that I didn't know otherwise about how my brain works, I'm like all for it. And so with codependency, I feel like um, it's just, it's such a, a vast um, thing that I feel like a lot of people don't understand how much is involved with it. And I think the way I got involved in it is just through um, realizing that a lot of my romantic relationships just weren't working out the way I wanted them to. And uh, and all of it kind of led back to codependency, like through the help of a therapist, she you know kind of introduced this topic to me. And then I think you were the first person who uh, lent a book to me called Attached, which if you guys haven't um, read that, highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know the author of that one? No. No. Well, we'll tell you guys later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that book was super useful and I highly recommend it. But um, yeah, just getting into codependency that way, I feel like is just um, where I'm at with that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I feel like it's been really healing to have someone to talk to about this stuff because Mm -hmm. it does feel really isolating and you feel kind of crazy yeah you know that's that's a hard word to bring up like I think it's rings true for a lot of people like who have felt the way we felt like people immediately call you crazy or nuts or you're making things up or you know yes it's very irritating because that's a lot of people that's like the label they want to slap onto a codependent person oh they're just crazy and it's like, well, if you understand the root of the issue mm-hmm. and why it's happening, um, I think more people need to get curious about these kind of things. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully, um, you know, people will over time. Yeah. Yeah. And just to clarify, we are not medical professionals. We are not experts. Yes. We're just chatting. <laughs> <laughs> so don't take this as advice or anything like that. Um, yeah. And, but we'd love to... Just communicate with any listener who might resonate with this stuff yeah. or is interested. Yeah, honestly, we're not, like Megan said, no way in any shape, way, way, shape, or form. We are not professionals. No. But um, it's really fun to just talk about this kind of thing because I know some of it, uh, it can't, some of it's not so fun, but some of it is fun to be like, wow, mm-hmm. personal realizations about yourself and like I don't know personal growth to me is always exciting I'm like Mm -hmm. oh wow I got over that really big hurdle that I thought was not going to be possible and so yeah yeah I don't know I mean what is fun is getting to have more joy and do more stuff you didn't think you'd be able to do yes because you have learned and grown yeah absolutely there is fun on the other side of like digging in even as hard as it is but then I think the digging in even gets kind of fun because you're like a detective you know yes and you know that there is a rainbow on the other side right it's not just hope it's not just useless digging it's like to better improve your life your relationships Mm -hmm. and when people see those changes in you and they start to see that you're actually growing Mm -hmm. I mean a lot of the times it's it's hard for them to grasp at first but really you end up being the catalyst for change in your family Mm -hmm. or your relationships yeah that's a big thing as well absolutely yeah yeah and I just feel like we're trying to get into the nitty-gritty of what codependency is and the intersectionality of 
how it shows up in relationships with like romantic relationships, friendships, family, relationship with yourself at work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's just the purpose of, I think the podcast, but also to celebrate the wins with each other. Yes. You know, it's so true. We don't do that enough as Mm -hmm. people and, um, being, having these discussions is a really good way of just acknowledging them. But really, I think the purpose of this podcast is to build a community around this as well, because none of us want to feel alone Mm -hmm. in how we're feeling. And maybe some of us haven't slapped the label of codependency on it yet, Mm -hmm. or haven't even discovered that it is a codependency issue. Right. But for us to have community with other people and be like, okay, it's really nice to know that I'm not experiencing this thing and I'm not crazy in my head. Yes. You know, because I think what a lot of our listeners are going to be surprised to learn about is that codependency isn't what you think it is Mm -hmm. initially. I think Mm -hmm. when people hear that word, they immediately assume it's like a lot of things that it's not. Of course, we'll get into that later. But like, that's what I want to enlighten people on is yeah. it's actually a lot more things than you even realize, mm-hmm. right? A hundred percent. It's so nuanced yeah, and progressive and our definition of what it is blossoms over time and, yeah. you know, struggling with this, it doesn't mean this is the only reason behind your actions, you know, because I, I feel like I was just getting in my head right now about how much I was saying the word codependency. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, <laughs> I feel like, like that's going to obviously be talked about a lot because that's what this podcast is about. But like, it is just one cog in our system. Totally. Yeah. But it's so, so important. Like really, really crucial because I think it bleeds into other areas and other problems and other ways of think viewing yourself in the world totally that if you can get this down it'll help a lot of areas in your life i couldn't agree more and when we first started researching or when i first started researching codependency and really getting into it i kind of isolated it at first Mm -hmm. i was like you know oh well it's this one thing over here that i need to get under control but really everything else is fine Mm -hmm. Until I started realizing, man, that one thing just bleeds. It bleeds Mm -hmm. out into all these different areas. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll get into all of that later. But, like, it's it's just fascinating. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, should we talk about the origins of the meaning of the word and and of coda and everything like that? Yeah, absolutely. You want to go for it? Sure. So I I don't want to pretend to know everything about this, but I (laughs) believe in Codependent No More, the book by Melody Beattie, which is like our Bible. Um, (laughs) It says that in like the 1950s, the word was coined from Mm -hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous partners who had started a group called Al-Anon, which is still around. And then from that group, they labeled people codependent who were describing how they were enabling their partners who were in AA. Yes. And yes. then CODA started as the like codependency anonymous group for those people in specific. Right. And then I think through time and research, they realized, you know, oh, this doesn't just affect the people who are, who are in a relationship with an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. This actually can affect lots of different people. Yes. And you don't necessarily have to be with an alcoholic to have codependent issues. So um, it kind of branched out at that point, and 
um, with research and time, it's actually crazy uh, how many ways you can um, uh, obtain, you know, these issues of codependency. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just related to um, being in a, an abusive relationship with someone. Or alcoholism. Yeah, or being with someone who cheated on you mm-hmm. or something like that. It's it's not any, it doesn't have to be those any things. Any one specific thing. Yeah. Right. And in fact, um, through that other book attached that I mentioned earlier, they do mention that they're, uh, it could also be shown as early as um, in signs of birth when we're mm-hmm. when we're first born, and our attachment needs at that time, mm-hmm. and whether or not we need our par- our our um, our guardian more more or less could also be determined from when we're babies. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating because not only can it like come from uh, childhood issues with um, certain needs not being mm-hmm. uh, met, but also can happen as early as birth, Mm -hmm. but also can be developed, you know, through the other ways. Yeah. Yeah, That we discussed. Yeah. And I think it's important to note too, that, you know, the point of recognizing that is saying like, well, I must not be codependent because no one in my life is not giving me what I need or no one in my life is abusive. No one in my life is an alcoholic. And it's like, well, maybe you had experiences like that previously, or maybe you had experiences with a family member who was in an abusive relationship and therefore their learned ways are now put onto you. Yes. Or, and then all of that exact, it's like nature versus nurture. Well, it's probably both. And then that yes. nature effect that you were saying, even from birth, just what's in, in your genes. And then even, um, you know, passed down in genes, epigenetics, you know, what, totally. what does that look like at? I don't know. I'm, I'm asking, but I'm saying, I think all of this internalized way of viewing yourself, way of viewing the world behavior that, that is consistent with the patterns of codependency, then all of that spews out on everyone in your life. Even if they are not, not giving you what you need, you're not enabling them in any specific way. It's just, that's what you, how you now relate to people. Right, right. It becomes kind of like your programming. Yeah. Right? But like you had mentioned earlier with brain development and how brains work is there's neuroplasticity there. Is that the right word? That Um, means, yeah, that the brain can change over time. It can be molded. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like... So, you know, if you have codependency issues, it's not like, oh, you're stuck in this way of looking at life and looking at your relationships and being the way that you are. Right. It's plastic in a sense. And it can can be be molded. molded. Yes. It can change. You can change it. Yeah. But being aware is the first step. 100%. You know, that's for sure. And what's interesting when we talk about codependency, because I think a lot of people would want to, you know, go to Google and see what the actual definition Mm is. Um, But the definition, in our opinion, um, I mean... It's, it's not fully what codependency is. It, it gives you a, a small snippet of it, um, but not really a full grasp of what it can mean in a lot of different ways. So this is what Google says. Google says codependency is excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, typically one who requires support on account of an illness or addiction. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I think that's reductive. Yeah. On every front. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Really. Honestly. I mean, because of what we just said, it doesn't have to be someone who's addicted to anything or going th- or abusive. And I don't like the word reliance. I think it implies a lot that is unnecessary. Um, but like we were saying, uh, like defining it is really hard. I think 
like Melody yeah. Beattie says, there really is no definition. Yeah. It can't be defined in a sentence. Exactly. It's observed in patterns of behavior. Right. You know? Right. That's just hard to pinpoint and be like, this is what it is in one uh-huh. sentence. Exactly. Because of how, how it shows up. It's... It can manifest in different ways. Yeah. So you can't just say one blanket sentence and then be like, that's what it is. <laughs> right. And to me, that's more of like an outdated definition anyways. Because mm-hmm. like we had mentioned, yeah. it's not just a support or it's not just people who support someone with an illness. It's, right. you know, it, you now have the illness. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you are now well, ill. <laughs> Boom. I know. I do think, and actually (laughs) you, congratulations. You are now ill. I think that that like is so exactly the point is like, it's not for people who are helping people who are addicted. This is an addiction in and of itself. Like, and I really believe, have always believed that about like, people's behavior like the aa system the 12 steps yeah it just is a self-help book with strict rules you know what i mean and i think that is helpful for everyone yeah get into yourself say why am i doing this yes and then try to stop doing things for that reason right you know and then and then it will expand your mind and it helps you you know, create relationships, a better relationship with yourself, and you don't keep spiraling in these same patterns. That could be true with judgment, with, again, codependency, with anything, you know? And I just feel like people don't recognize that because it's not as tangible as a drink in your hand. It's not as tangible as, you know, drugs, taking drugs. You know, people don't even realize and they don't want to realize that they are addicted to a certain pattern of relationship or feeling a certain way, being a martyr, you know, whatever it is. Right. Addicted to controlling patterns, Mm -hmm. to um, addicted to anything that how we relate to people and how we um, see people. I don't think people think that way. Like you said, we want to think in tangibles, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm addicted to this substance. That way I can label it and understand what it is. Yeah. The way, the reason why codependency is the way it is and, and such a vast thing is it shows up through patterns mm-hmm. that we don't even realize we're being yes. with certain people. And they're kind of sometimes underlying to the sense where they can just be like, almost like a, a hum in the background. Like it's hard to explain, but like, in like, it's just like this thing that's like constant in the background almost. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just under the radar. And that's why people in AA who walk the steps are eventually are like, Oh, the problem wasn't the thing. The problem wasn't alcohol. It was this other stuff I had to get, dig up and yeah. feel and know about me and the alcohol and the drugs. I was just covering. That's a great up. point. The stuff I didn't want to look at, you know. That's a great point because it's never, it's very rarely that. It's it's what's behind the substance. Yeah. I wanted to quickly mention too um, that my dad, when I was trying to explain what codependency was to him Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to just read off the definition to him because he was curious. um, I just kind of brought up an example and just gave it to him and I was like, okay, so have you ever been in a situation where someone that you talk to on a daily basis and they... You guys, you know, talk to each other a certain way each day. You're used to being them a certain, you're used to them being a certain way with you and they're totally fine and everything's consistent. And then one day they start acting a little different towards you. 
and not they're not as um, you know bubbly or whatever your guys's pattern of talking is. They're not responding in the ways that you would like them to. Do you sometimes immediately go to blame yourself and be like, oh my gosh, did I do something to um, upset this person? Is that why they're acting this way? Or am I um, maybe just coming to the conclusion that they have something going on in their life that might be taking them away from being the normal person that they are with us? And so um, to when it comes to codependency, that, that first response is, oh my gosh, I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, what did I do to make mm-hmm. this person act totally different towards Why me? Why are we not okay right now? Yeah. Yeah. And so I brought up just that one example and he was like, oh, well, I've definitely felt that way before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, yeah, that could be. I mean, if it's something that happens often mm-hmm. and, uh, and it, it's, it's kind of controlling your thoughts. Yeah. And like all day you can't think about anything else except let me just get a normal response from them so that I can feel better so that I know we're okay. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. And so that it all depends on how much it has a hold on you, right? Mm. If it's just a fleeting thought and you're not putting much into it, that might just be humanity being like, everything's about me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's just an egotistical thought Uh that needs to just pop out of your mind. But if you're obsessing over it, if you're spiraling, if you're truly worried that your relationship Uh is in dire, you know, and that you are terrible. Yes. If it affects your self-worth, if if you have a a level of shame around Mm -hmm. it, right? Um, because it's, you know, and we can talk about shame and guilt a different day, but like, yeah, if there's a level of shame behind you, you feeling that way, you Mm -hmm. thinking that you did something totally wrong. And what's crazy is logic gets thrown out your head when you're dealing with codependency. Like logic would tell you, wait, did I do anything to actually say, or like, did I say anything that would actually upset this person? Mm -hmm. Or did I do anything? A lot of the times the answer in your logical mind is no. no, obviously no. But when you're codependent, it, it, it's logic, not obvious. Yeah, and logic doesn't take the forefront in your brain. It actually, all the patterns from your childhood or whatever it came from, those patterns become the forefront, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have to, you know, navigate that. Yes, <laughs> and, and it is not easy. Not easy. Not easy. <laughs> but I, I like what you said about the application of a pattern, like... Because some of these patterns will apply, others won't. Yes. And that's okay. Does it consume your thoughts? Does it dictate your behavior? That's really the question you need to ask, you know? Absolutely. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's just might just be a passing thought. And that's, that's fine. We don't have to label things good or bad. But mm-hmm. if the consequence is bad enough, you want to maybe think about breaking that pattern, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, speaking of patterns... We can get into a few of the the actual patterns that uh, are from... We got this from Codependent No More, again, by Melody Beattie. Yes. Um, and so we'll just go into a few of each category. There are several categories. Yes. Um, and so we can just pick a few from each. So the first category is denial patterns. Mm-hmm. So um, one of them is overeats. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, <laughs> <laughs> and we can stop right there. We can actually. stop right there. So um, we're gonna wrap it up. <laughs> if you have that one thing, you are you're codependent. <laughs> period. Uh, but I like I like these examples because oftentimes people don't associate eating with, um, like a like a soothing 
you know, pat, pat, pattern or like thing that you do. Yeah. But I definitely was doing that. You, or, or overeating, it is a way of denying because you're satiating your body, kind of overfilling it with something else so that you don't have to think about that other stuff. Yes, yes. Um, gets depressed or sick. And this actually was a big one for me. I don't know if for you, definitely depression, but also sickness. I used to get sick all the time. Really? Yeah, all the time. Like physically? Physically ill. Especially when I was going into situations that I struggled with this more. Uh, okay. Right before or the day of, I would feel ill. Sometimes a cold kind of effect, sometimes a stomach issue. Wow. It was really common. And then it would be gone when I was out of the situation. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can relate in that way. I, I think stomach issues for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had a, a physical ailment as such. Like a, it hasn't manifested into a sickness, so to speak. But mm-hmm. I can totally get that. I yeah. totally understand. Because the mental... Um, psychosis that you put yourself through yes. when that's ha- when it's happening it can physically manifest itself yeah. and i think sometimes our body is trying to like get us out of the situation it knows it doesn't want to be in yeah but we're just didn't we're just like yeah, i'm doing it we're going <laughs> we're in it we're in it now <laughs> we're in it it's happening yeah and yeah. then i mean of course I'll, the last one i'll say in this one is just like anger humor isolation those yeah. are classic denial you know, behaviors, Uh, humor. We do that all the time. Yeah. We're really good at that one. (laughs) Yeah. Just make a joke about it and get through the moment. And really that's what I do. And I still do that. Um, in situations where people are saying something that I don't agree with. Yeah. And I just kind of want to move right past the moment. Yes. Um, and I'll just make a joke and kind of giggle. Right. And I think, that's the way it shows up for me now because I've worked so much at this, but I think I would use it even more to make that person feel even more comfortable Yes, because I think, oh my God, I don't agree with them. They're going to know I don't agree with them. Then they're going to be uncomfortable and that's not okay. I have to make them feel <laughs> comfortable and like I agree with them, but also like nothing is wrong. Right yeah, now, you know, right, right. It to avoid the uncomfortable feeling of something, you know, not being okay. You yeah. just try to bulldoze through it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And um, are you are those the denials? That was the denial patterns. Denial patterns. Yes. Now this one rings true to home for me. Um, the low self worth patterns. Mm. I pretty much identified with almost all of these. Yeah, I'll try and just pick a few, but almost every one of them um, applies to me. So low self worth issues can come up with, um, or it can come in the form of like blaming yourself for everything, which I do often. Um, criticize ourselves, but we're not. But we'll also not allow others to do so. So like. You know, mm-hmm. you won't allow other people to criticize you. However, you're allowed to criticize you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a big one. I feel like, like, in my mind, all I'm doing, I mean, I've gotten a lot better, but I think my go-to is to think about how I made this bad situation come to pass or like, yeah, even if it's not a bad situation, what, what could I have done better? Why did I do it like that? Right. You know, but then if somebody else says something critical of me, I immediately get like, (laughs) I don't know. I 
am defensive and I feel like, how dare you? Yeah. This person thinks they can criticize me on something that I know to be true, but Uh like, you know, don't want to hear it. And also in my mind, I'm like, look at you. These are all the things you like. Criticize yourself, you know? Right. Right. Where it could just be helpful criticism from someone that you love and care about, but Mm -hmm. you'll still get defensive because you're like, no, it can't be you. It has to be me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I um, definitely resonate with that. Rejecting compliments or praise, that's a really big one. Yeah. I cannot say thank you. <laughs> yeah. I get so uncomfortable still when people compliment me because I'm like, what's your angle? Yeah. Like, why, you know? Why would you have said that to me? What, yeah. What is behind that? Yeah, which yeah. is so messed up in it, on its own. Like, I know. You know, I shouldn't be thinking that way, but, like, I always do that. So rejecting compliments... Um, gets uh oh yeah but then at the same time gets mad when other people don't compliment them yes that's so funny yes yeah and it's literally by the way we're we're reading this from like the book and it's just funny that like those two are go hand in hand but they're totally opposite right i know well and that's kind of what we talked about um when we were writing all this up like how a lot of these patterns are opposites. Yes. Will swing wildly from side to side of like, we are this one side of the pendulum and now we are the other. Yeah. And I think that's how a lot of addiction is in, in, in life in behavior. And also in the brain, it's like, you're always shooting for the next high. Yes. But like you're, you're in life, like middle ground is not ever good enough. You're high and then you're low and then you're yes. high and then you're low. Like it's, you're never just in the middle. <laughs> that is truly what addiction is. I feel like, right? right. I mean, you cannot just be even kill middle right. of the road. And yeah. I think that it just really came to light for me when we were writing all these down. I was like, huh, that's sobering <laughs> ironically <laughs> pun intended or like pun intended. yeah pun accidental yeah um i think you're are you on to the next one yeah i have um caretaking patterns here so i think a lot of people this is kind of the classic piece of codependency that people think of is like you're like the definition you're trying to like take care of somebody else with an illness or addiction or whatever yeah um but you think you're responsible for other people yeah yeah i think that one is sorry to cut you off no no i i'm agreeing with you i think that's the classic it's a pretty yeah Yeah. very um classic codependency cc classic (laughs) codependency um but it is the hardest one to recognize in yourself Yeah. Because I find, again, I think actually these patterns are hard to recognize because of the pendulum thing we were just talking about. Because when someone says that, I immediately think, oh, no, 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 no. I'm the opposite. I don't want to be responsible for people. No, no, no. I pull away because I don't want the responsibility. Oh, no, no, no. That's not me because I hate it when people control me. I would never do that to someone else. And it's like, actually, that stuff is true. And And, you, in your mind, think that... In each moment, like what I was just saying before, if someone says something I don't agree with, I'm responsible for your um, happiness right now. I'm responsible for your comfortability right now. So yes. I have to make this moment comfortable for you. For you. Um, and I have to pretend X, Y, Z for you. Right. Uh, that is being trying to be responsible and control other people's experience. Yes. Yes. 
Absolutely. And, and it's funny how that shows up because we would, like you said, we would automatically think that's not a control issue or that it's not linked to control. Well, it absolutely is. Um, it just doesn't look the way that you're thinking mm-hmm. control looks. I'm right? not barging down the door and saying in a militaristic way, do this and this and this. It is yeah. subtle. It's very subtle. Yeah. yeah. And that's why it's sneaky, right? Yeah. Because yeah. sneaks in. To your mind and to other people's minds yep. around you. And I, that, I, that goes hand in hand with anticipating other people's needs, which is another one on here of the caretaking patterns. And I think you get really good at that. You know? Oh, yeah. And yep. I think you were saying, too, like this can be bred from childhood. Um, like just your own nature. Maybe you're just really intuitive. Yeah. You know, and it kind of exacerbates it because you are really good at anticipating people's needs. And then when you do that, people like that. Right, right. (laughs) So then you keep doing that. Right. Maybe you were in a home where you had to walk on eggshells and your parents, you were like a doll puppet to them. You had needed to anticipate their needs or they got upset or they couldn't handle their emotions or whatever. And you were doing that as like a, um, like a like a life-saving strategy. A coping mechanism. Coping mechanism. Yeah. yeah. And then now you're still doing it as an adult because that's how you learn to behave. It's familiar. It's familiar. And like, you know, we'll get into this another time too, but like, you know, a lot of it from my childhood, my stepmom was a uh, borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. So um, if you don't know much about that, it just means you're very much all over the place with your behavior. You're very high highs, very low lows. But really, it means that you're walking on eggshells around this person because you never know what's going to make them explode or what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it, you develop hypervigilance, which is mm-hmm. you know another Huge. term uh, used to just describe that. It's it's not just intuition, but you're actually now very hypervigilant of every move this person mm-hmm. does because oh, you know, why is this, why is mom upset today? Well, I can tell you why she's upset. You know, Johnny forgot to put his dish away at 9am and then that's what caused her. It literally, Mm -hmm. it can be all these little triggers, but you know that. you're clocking. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody else would even remember that that little moment happened during the day. Right. But you remembered. And something in my codependency journey that was a win is when I would forget stuff. I would be like, oh my God. That is a win. I don't know what happened. Wow. And that was huge because usually I know exactly everything everyone was wearing, where everybody went, you know, and who's yeah. to say, like, obviously they've done studies where like, you know, they pretend like something's happening in a park and then they ask everyone what the guy was wearing and everyone says a different color sweater. Like, okay, maybe I, maybe I was wrong. I'm not saying I'm a hundred percent right, yeah, yeah. but in my mind, I'm holding that information, whatever my memory of that was, I'm holding it yes. forever and it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. Our brains already have way too much to do and mm-hmm. yet we overload them with details that other people don't yes. because of our hypervigilance. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, absolutely. And then, oh, were you, are you still going on this? No, let's move on to another one. Okay. There are a lot of categories here. There are a lot, yeah. Um, I will move on to repression. So repression is um, another way that it can show up in that that means you become afraid to let the uh, people be who they are. Um, You appear controlled. You you push thoughts. Um, Yeah, it uh, basically just... Becoming afraid of um, people becoming who they're who they want to become as well, mm-hmm. and trying to control that. 
Yeah, again, control. It goes down. It comes back to control. And I'll even lump that with, because um, there's a whole other category for control. But mm-hmm. really, it's the same thing. Like, um, you know, uh, th- at times they uh, think they know how people should behave, um, wants to control a person's behavior. But once again, it comes up in sneaky ways. It's yeah. not just like you being like, yeah, I'm a controlling person and you need to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. It's more of, you know, um, acting and behaving a certain way yourself. To That can also be controlling is mm-hmm. towards that person. Oh, yeah. Passive aggressive behavior that you're hoping then the other person is going to see and then respond differently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that all can be based off how you want them to respond mm-hmm. instead of being authentic in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so infuriating <laughs> as a codependent, like to have done something and I'm not proud of this. I'm not saying this is a good thing, but to have done something passive aggressively that you think is so clear. Yeah. You're like, this is obvious. I'm mad and you should know why I'm mad. <laughs> I know. And then they don't respond at all. And you're like, yeah. are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> you don't know that you're in a doghouse right now. And I, did you see that meme? That's like, uh, the girl, like uh, this is kind of like pa- patriarchal norms, but yeah. refer- like referring to codependency, it's funny where like the girl is like crossing her arms and she's mad and she goes, Hmm, let's see how he likes it. Me not texting him all day. And then the next picture is a guy smiling in a truck going, what a nice quiet day. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they just won't get it. You know, <laughs> if that's not a codependency meme, Oh my gosh. And nice the, quiet day it was. <laughs> the amount of days where I'm obsessing and stressing yes. over something. You're that, spiraling. It's all you can think about. Yeah. And the person's having the sunniest day <laughs> ever. Yeah. And it, it, it seems more extreme too when you're in a codependent like situation where you're having a, a moment where you're super like, oh my gosh. On fire for this thing. On fire. And then for some reason, that's like the best day they've ever had. Yes. The day that you're struggling really hard. Oh my hard. God. They're yeah. like, I won a million dollars and I... <laughs> fell in love and <laughs> I went here and here and here I'm like yeah I know what I know I got ice cream earlier I got to leave work from early early yeah. and you're just thinking the whole time you're like you mother uh-huh. <laughs> and I feel like having those moments over and over was kind of what pushed me into figuring this out because I yeah. was jealous of them yeah I was mad at them yeah. But not for the right reasons. And then I was jealous of them and I just thought, I want to be like that. I know. You know? I know. But I do, I will also say that moves us into the last category that we'll talk about. And it's poor communication, which is uh, you don't say what you mean and you yeah. don't mean what you say. <laughs> I know. Which is absolutely the crux of it. And that's the thing is, um, we can do better if we know better. Yeah. And if our partner has no clue, and I'm talking in a romantic sense, if our partner has no clue what's wrong, how are they supposed to help you with that, honestly? Yeah. And we get mad at them just not automatically picking it up. You should already know. It's like, well, no. If, if this was never communicated, then that for sure needs to be communicated that that's a need of yours that's not being met, right? Yes, exactly. And what then, do you need? Yeah. And when are you not getting it? And I think this is common, not just for anybody who is has codependency issues, but yeah. I think we all assume that our partners should know what just we need. know, yeah. It definitely needs to be something communicated because it could be something very weird 
you know, it's kind of like the same conversation as kinks. Like, yeah, you know, it's the same thing as how are you going to know someone's kinks unless yeah. you have the conversation? I'm not it's, just going to imagine what you're thinking. But that's, I think, where codependence kind of, yes, that could be a problem for everyone, but specifically it happens more frequently in in a person with codependency because you're anticipating everyone else's need and then you assume yeah. everyone else should be doing that for you too. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So then you're anticipating and assuming, which is not good to do because you're, you're not always right. You don't know what's in somebody else's head and you are demanding that magic of other people. Yeah. I, is there anything on this list of assumptions? Cause I feel like it's some, um, I don't oh, know. I think it's just the anticipating people's needs and then assumption is just like a part of that. Yeah, because I just felt like um, assumptions is a huge one with codependency. Yeah. It's crazy that it's not its cate- a category on its own. Yeah, that's true. And that's something I've had to work with. I mean, we should mention we both uh, talked to the same counselor. Yeah. Who is amazing. And oh, we'll call her Sue. Yes. And um, <laughs> she is the best. And she is. She has worked with me a lot on that. Most of our conversations and with me ranting. And then she goes, well, you don't know that. Yeah, I know. And I go, but I'm like, God, still I'm 98% confident uh-huh. that that is true. And I she's know. like, but you still don't. But know. you don't. But that's not 100%. And if exactly. it's not 100, it's zero. Yeah. You know? In this context. Exactly. And that is infuriating. (laughs) It really is. I hate it, but I love her. (laughs) I love her as well. I I also wanted, I forgot to, um, I kind of skimmed over this one, but I wanted to go back to... You already said that we talked about the last topic, so I don't... (laughs) (laughs) And we're done. We're done. No, go ahead. Um, no, but with obsession, um, Oh yeah. I didn't, it's huge. Obsession is a huge one. And that's when we talk about spiraling and like, that's when it becomes a problem, right? Is if Mm -hmm. you're truly obsessed over certain things and the, and the person and the problem in the situation, if you're truly obsessed, um, that can show up in a lot of different ways. One of these things that they list is losing sleep over the problem, um, abandoning routines. And for me, this is a big one. Um, I tend to I know this seems crazy but like I can't even focus on my work day Mm -hmm. if there is an issue in one of my relationships going on and it's it's to the point where I don't care what's happening in my life anymore until that problem's resolved it doesn't seem crazy we are not crazy (laughs) this is real (laughs) yeah yeah I mean really like nothing seems it's almost like You've taken, I've never taken LSD. I don't know why I'm using this as an example. But <laughs> like just in, last week, I was on LSD <laughs> thinking. Like, I'm assuming it, the movies are pretty accurate when they <laughs> show someone on LSD. And something is magnetized and they can't not focus on that and everything else gets blurry. Like, yes. that is really the body response that I get. Like, it's right. a very physical response almost. Like, 
I'm not like I'm not seeing clearly my peripheral vision kind of dims, which I think is metaphorical to how my perspective of life is. It like becomes so myopic. Yeah. You know, it's kind of scary because you zone in on this one thing. Mm -hmm. And that's why a codependency recovery program exists. That's why Codependence Anonymous exists, because the same way someone with a drinking problem or a drug problem needs to call a sponsor. Mm -hmm. um, There's Mm -hmm. there's actually sponsors in this codependency program with CODA. And I mean, I haven't um, utilized that part of the program yet. I just started with the going to CODA yeah. meetings, um, which have been amazing. Yeah. But, and you know, a lot of these meetings have to do with journaling um, and then discussing the issues that all of us are dealing with as far as codependency goes in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest rule in the meeting is that you're not able to comment on someone else's experience. Mm-hmm. So once after someone's done sharing you then have to share fully using I statements. Right. And I think that's a big thing too with codependency is like, you know, you always want to collectively lump people together when Mm -hmm. you you talk a lot of in we uh, terms versus I terms. And so the, the program really challenges you in those ways. But my point, I know I got off topic there. But my point to um, why this program exists is because you do need someone when you are spiraling, when you're having that moment of, I can only zone in on this problem. I can't even focus on work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. screw all my other routines. Like, screw my day. My day is now ruined off this one thing. I think you need to talk to someone in that moment mm-hmm. to get you off the ledge. And you don't necessarily need a sponsor. But if there's someone in your life that you could rely on and just be like, look, I'm having this insane... Obs- it could sometimes be a, a, a thought that is not rooted in any logic yes. or reality, which a lot of it is that, right? right? Leading, again, back to the assumptions thing. Assumptions. It's just all these things that your, your head is telling you, but you have to remind yourself that's the voice of anxiety, you know, um, and you need if you need to talk to someone, it's highly encouraged, and that's why that yeah. program has that. Totally. So, yeah. That's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the... Biggest ways, I think, for a person to tell if they need to get help. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, because people, like, now that we've talked a lot about what codependency is, let's just list off a few things that it's not that I think are... Good point. um, I don't know, just myths or, like, things that, if you just Googled it and read that definition, one might assume. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I mean, the first one we have here is you, that you have to be in a relationship to be codependent, a romantic relationship. No, not at all. Nope. I have sex successfully been a codependent, a single codependent <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> so. Yeah. And it shows up with your, your parents. It shows up with your siblings. It shows up with friends. friends. I mean, that's primarily a big one for you is yeah. friendships and stuff like that. So huge. It's, it doesn't just have to be a romantic relationship. It also doesn't mean that you're clingy. This is your biggest pet peeve. I think. Oh, <laughs> gosh, I hate being labeled as someone who's mm-hmm. clingy. Um, because a, a, along with the clingy uh, trope is that means that you just can't stand being alone. You cannot yeah. stand being independent. Yeah. That couldn't be further from the truth for me. Uh-huh. Like, I love my alone time. Yeah. Leave me alone for most of the time, actually. <laughs> I'm fine. It's... Actually, get out of here. <laughs> you, Brooke, get out. <laughs> Seriously. And so being unable to be independent and clingy, those are all just, to me, mm-hmm. things that people make up, you know, or like is a... Um, Stereotype. It's a misconception. It's a stereotype. They're yeah. taking one moment yeah. from this bigger picture and then labeling you as that forever. 
Right. You know? Right. And it doesn't, it also doesn't mean, well, we've also already said it doesn't have anything to do with addiction. Um, yeah. But I think it's important to say it doesn't mean you're weak or like immature. Right. You know, because right. a lot of times when people think people are clingy, they associate it with immaturity. Yes. Yes. And that's crazy. I know because I would, I don't know. I'd like to think that me and you lean towards being more mature people right. in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, obviously everybody has their hangups, but yeah. But like that's, it's totally associated with all the wrong things and it's, it sucks because it's how the behavior shows yeah. itself Yeah, where people automatically assume yeah. like, Oh wow. Clingy, totally. immature, you yes. know, don't know anything about how life works mm-hmm. and how relationships work, you know? And that there, there's a continuum. There's a continuum of codependency. Right. You know, and how it shows up in different ways. Like, like I'm, I would say now more like situationally codependent. Yeah. Wait, what did you say? You're like, you're a part-time codependent. Part-time codependent. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That's how I identify now. Um, (laughs) I've just, and then it's because I've done a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work. A lot. (laughs) Have you done a lot of work? A lot. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would say a lot. But how about like a little? Uh, no, more like a lot. <laughs> no, no, you're no, completely You're wrong. off. You're off. It's a lot. <laughs> and I say that because you feel like when you're doing it, it's never going to get better. Yeah. But you meet these milestones and you look back and you think, wow, that was hard. But I feel so much freer in a lot of my situations and a lot of my relationships. So it's worth it. But but it still rears its head in certain like relationships that I've had for a long time um or new ones that like show me that familiar pattern yeah and I kind of start to slip into that again right yeah absolutely and it's an ongoing uh thing but it's important to know too that it's not like a mental health disorder so to speak yeah um it's just a way of seeing life mm-hmm. and that needs to be corrected in certain ways. And like you said, it's ongoing. Sometimes we're part-time from the start codependent. Mm-hmm. I mean, not some of us have exactly. not done the work, but we are just part-time yeah, codependent. Naturally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm more on the full-time codependent. <laughs> I am clocking in those hours, baby. <laughs> Woo! I'm working overtime. overtime. <laughs> Like, honestly, I'm not there yet um, on, we've talked about this though. I'm more in like a um, real, I'm in the realization stages of codependency Mm -hmm. and I'm on those first baby steps to, okay, that was at a codependent moment. Let's see how I can do better next time. Totally. But you know, there's moments where it completely goes over my head and I'm like, yeah, later then later you're like, huh. Yeah. (laughs) Actually wait. And I mean, that's why like you said some people are only part-time codependents to start with it's like you just need to recognize when it's a problem and when to address it and I think that leads into like what the chaos and wreckage of codependency looks like in your life yeah because that's what everyone will say like at a AA meeting or whatever that What's the wreckage? What's your life's chaos? If are the if you're like no one can make you do this, but if the consequences are bad enough, it's gonna make you want to look at it and and change things. Yeah, you know. And I, I think we we wrote down 
um, some of our personal like chaos and wreckage examples. Yeah. Um, and one of them was self-hate, self-blame. Oh, yeah. I know that all too well. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're best friends, me, me and blame, self-blame. Yeah, really bad. And I think that that comes into play, like, in every moment of, like, and it really gets down to the nitty-gritty. Like, for example, I broke my nose. <laughs> Not sure if you knew, Brooke. No way. <laughs> I talk about it all the time. <laughs> I broke my nose, like, in April. And um, I... Even in those moments that was like just kind of a random accident, I immediately was like, what did I do to make this happen? What Mm -hmm. in the past, how did I, is this karma? Like it just immediately my mind goes to that in any moment, even if there really is nothing to blame myself for. I will figure it out. (laughs) That's so hilarious. Like it's like if someone punches you in the face, (laughs) you're like, oh my gosh. What did I do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it could have been a totally random incident. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the nose was completely random. Yeah. You didn't, didn't, you didn't do anything purposefully to make that happen. Yes. But at the same time, your brain goes there. Like, it okay, this there. is universal. The universe is punishing, or God, however you want to yeah. label it, is punishing me, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I think a lot of it, um, losing your sense of self, oh self-esteem issues, yeah. right? Distorts your perspective of reality. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, makes you more reactive. And that's the thing is yeah. a lot of the times when there's nothing wrong, I need, I have a, a need to like react to something. Mm. And that was one of the things, the patterns it said that you don't feel comfortable unless there's chaos. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to be reactive. You need to be reacting to something. Absolutely. I think, um, Jeanette McCurdy came out with mm. a book recently, um, I'm glad my, I think it's called I'm glad my mom died. Mm-hmm. That was really enlightening. She talks about that as well as like she was so addicted to chaos because yeah. her mom was addicted to chaos. Yeah. I'm sure her mom's mom was addicted to chaos. Sure. And it's like it's this addiction that you just when things are totally normal and things aren't wrong, you will find something to have that's wrong. wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's a big one for me. Huge. Yeah. One that's really big for me is pushing people away because you seem dependent or clingy or, you know, not yourself or not present. Yeah. And also another one that I think is lumped in with that is that you feel trapped in relationships because you're resentful and then it makes me pull away. And that is, I think my still, honestly, my biggest one that I'm dealing with because, um, I just, I feel I guess trapped, trapped is a good word in relationships with, with people who there's even an inkling of that codependency because it builds up in your body that you have to do things a certain way with them, but for them is really what it feels like. It doesn't feel like a reciprocal friendship. Yeah. And it's not even that, and this is a big thing that Sue and I discuss (laughs) is that it's not about it's, I'm not even saying they are making me trapped. I'm saying the way we have created this pattern in the relationship, me included, right. is making me feel trapped because I have now decided that I have to do these things. Yeah, A, B, and C uh-huh. all the time. Uh-huh. But it's really, no one is forcing you to do that. It's right. just your brain telling you, 
it, it needs to mm-hmm. be this way. Or maybe they, they have responded poorly to me not doing those things. And, but then instead of me saying, well, those things that I did weren't wrong. That's just me being myself. It wasn't me being a bad friend. I wasn't being rude. Like there's no, nothing actually wrong with that. It's just, that's not what they wanted to happen. And now they're upset instead of me realizing that's on them and not changing for that. I just do, I just do it so that they're appeased. That is a big one for us. We've talked about that one quite a bit, Mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, so hard to detach yourself from the outcome, right? Yeah. Like you, you want the outcome to be, um, you're, you're, you don't want that icky feeling of yes. someone rejecting, you know, the mm-hmm. way that you responded, mm-hmm. but the way that you reacted in that situation, if it's authentic to you, you should be completely okay with mm-hmm. it and you should be able to walk away and be like, okay, they didn't like yeah. that. Oh, oh, well, I mean, and that's really what it comes down to. But yeah. for a codependent no, to do that, it's almost impossible. And just like connecting all the other things we've just said, it's because I immediately blame myself. Whatever's happened, yeah. if there's a problem, if there's a break in communication, if someone's upset, it must be my fault. So let right. me fix it. Right. And then you know, I I just feel like and the person doesn't have to lift a finger, and the yeah. other person just sits there on their high horse and being like, yeah, yeah. you're right. Instead. Not to mention distorting reality my brain then goes into this distortion of i have done something wrong that's a distortion of reality if i've ever seen one if i if you told me this just happened today you explained a story to me of something you did and then someone something else did and you were saying i feel to blame or you know like is this me Right. And then how you were trying to maybe appease it, but you were like, I don't want to. And I very clearly said, no, it's not. I can, I can differentiate those things when it's somebody else. Yes. But in my own head, the reality is completely distorted. I can't tell if what I did was bad or not. Yep. I really cannot. And yeah. I, I tell Sue this all the time. I'm like, I need you to tell. I text her. I need you yeah. to tell me if this thing I did was crazy. Right. Right. And it's crazy how people, I I can't relate to people who don't have that (laughs) that issue where they can just say something and just not move on, move on. But I'm thinking, (laughs) Oh my God, what did I say? What did I do? Yeah. And I, I think that's why it's so important to have a support system, at least one person to Mm -hmm. be the checks and balances, because a lot of the times you do feel crazy. You do feel Mm -hmm. like I must be in the wrong. Me, 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 me. But once again, no, it's not like that. Like for me, I, I constantly, I have a good relationship with my mom now, so I constantly, um, I will call her and I'll sometimes not even um, want her, you know, I'll just explain a situation to her and then I'll be like, and you know, I totally did this, this, and this, and this is probably why that, you know, person did that. Or, or, I, or I I just immediately mm-hmm. come up with a story yes. of what Again, I did. assumptions. Yeah, and then yeah. my mom will be like, wait, but I didn't hear that at all. I actually heard that this person did this which caused you to mistrust them or, or do something mm-hmm. like that. And then, you know, it, and then, so it's, it, yeah. that's why it's important to bounce it off other people because a lot of the times mm-hmm. it's, it's not just, you know. Yes. You get reality back. Yeah. You know, and that's again, community. Yes. Community. Why community is important. Yes. And I mean, I think just the last part of the things that we wrote uh, that's really important is that we mentioned, um, we've noticed in the last year specifically that we are trying to like, um, remediate is increase in stress hormones in our body. Yes. And we were just talking about how our levels of hypervigilance <sighs> have gone up so much. And then I even had a, a test done like a 
hair sample test. I don't know. What hair follicle test? Yeah. Okay. And they said my cortisol levels were, well, you would assume high because my stress is high, but no. Once If you have chronic stress, your cortisol is low because oh. it, you've just used, you keep using all of it essentially. Jeez. And then it just plummets. And That's so, nice. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, so, anyway, I just, I've had proof <laughs> that I, yeah. my body has been under chronic stress, even though, really, I'm fine. I've had a lot of good things happen in the last however long, you know what I mean? Yeah. But my mind works my body up into such a level of stress. And actually, like what you were saying with the babies, how they immediately come out, yeah, wanting their parents there. I had such a high level of anxiety that in when I was like in kindergarten or whatever, I don't remember first grade. Um, I, you know how they let the kids go up and do a little performance. Yeah. And I would be sobbing outside. Not, I would not go in. I would be sobbing for an hour uncontrollably. And Mm -hmm. the teacher said to my mom, you know, Hey, I just want you to know, like, this is not, normal (laughs) so like from a very early age I had a lot of this pent-up anxiety so it is natural I have to really work at calming down my nervous system wow you know it is ready to be on high alert yes you know and what you guys might not know about Megan is she's an awesome performer when she does get on stage (laughs) she's a great singer she's great at talking as you can tell but like it's funny that you talk about these things right because You do rise to the occasion when you have to, but right. the process leading up to yes. that thing, oh gosh. I'm sure a it puts lot of you, work yeah, and just get on that stage. I, and it's crazy because we all have our different stages of life. It doesn't have to always be like an actual stage, but yes. like anything that we're going into, exactly. You know, a lot of it can be stemmed from how we even acted as kids, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, and that's what's unfair about codependency too. It's yeah. like, wow, I might not have had a say in this at all. Yes. this might have just been something from Why birth. Why is this my lot in life? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, it's fascinating. And yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's I didn't know that about your. Um, yeah, and I mean, yeah. I would even that would even happen just going into a different grade at school. Like, I I don't yeah. the unknown. The unknown. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So good, good on that teacher for recognizing yeah, and saying hey, something. Yeah, we need to, we need to figure this out. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, amazing. but I mean, I, well, I this was fun. This was really fun. Oh my gosh! I feel like we covered a lot a that lot. we wanted to cover. Yeah. And honestly, um, I think we summarized everything up pretty well. Yeah, and, I hope people. I mean, and I, that will continue to be clarified through each podcast and we love people's opinions people's definitions people's experiences of how codependency has shown up in their lives yes maybe ideas for topics of of podcasts oh my gosh um, that would amazing. be amazing just we want a real a real community here you know we want feedback. back and forth yeah yeah and we won't be critical of that feedback like a codependent mm-hmm. would be <laughs> yes or... also be nice also <laughs> yeah. tell us if you like us <laughs> And now that uh, note, on, on that note, <laughs> we're going to end with asking, do, do you like us? And other codependent topics. We hope so. This is Megan and Brooke, and we are signing out. Bye-bye.